0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and I'm here with Nationwide Nolan. And even though it's August, the Georgetown Good News train just keeps on rolling. Nolan, the second time in about a week, we have another Georgetown commitment to talk about. Jalen Billingsley is going to be the third 2021 recruit for the Hoyas. He's a stretch four, and depending on what service you look at, he is a three or a four star, and right now, Georgetown looks like they are down to one open scholarship for this 2021 class. Can you believe all of the good news we are living in right now?
1: It is hard to believe compared to the rest (laughs) of the year. Um, Another one kind of came out of nowhere just over the last week or so. Arizona State might not be a power, but. Certainly, they've made the tournament more recently than you have. You know, Bobby Hurley's an East Coast guy. He certainly has some recruiting power, so to beat out him says a little bit. Um, And then you look at who else was interested in Billingsley, Dayton, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. So, some pretty good programs. And you mentioned the three or four-star. It would appear both he and Jordan Riley are trending more towards that four-star line from all accounts and Billingsley, especially, it seems like he's actually played in a couple of tournaments this spring and summer where he really showed well. So I think, uh, you know, his profile of the stretch four is exactly what you were looking for
0: right now. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, This class right now, um, right now, George or yeah, Georgetown is in the top twenty nationally classes on both rivals and twenty four seven, based on Jordan Riley, who we spoke about last week. Who, you know, we want to just go super positive. His father thinks he's a five star. I'm I'm sure he does. Uh, I think Georgetown fan. What's that? Top ten
1: in the country, I believe. Yeah,
0: top ten in the country. Which you know what. I think all of Georgetown fans are hoping that that is that's close to accurate. And then you've got Billingsley, who kind of was kind of a really a poorly kept secret all week. Right. I mean, it just, you know, once those recruiting analysts like, the you know, the bigger names, once they switch their thing or once they they sort of, you know, push their button, you kind of feel like it's coming. Uh, Five thirty on a Saturday. I feel like that was a little bit different than what I'm used to. But maybe I was just being lazy on uh, a summer Saturday. But I was I was monitoring that. Um, And then Tyler Beard, who, you know, Georgetown fans were all very excited to see him come in for this season. Looks like, you know, that's obviously not happening. Um, You see him get mentioned, I know we talked about this last week, so I'm just repeating myself, but I'll, I'll say it again. You know, until these guys can sign in November, Tyler Beard's kind of the one that, you know... We saw Terrence William, you know, not sign, say he was still committed. Obviously, all hell broke loose. And he didn't end up coming to Georgetown. You know, if, that, if, if Jordan Riley or if Jalen Billingsley didn't sign and they waited, I would be less anxious. Tyler Beard is the one that I think you really want him to sign in that early period, assuming the calendar stays as normal, right? Yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, maybe the one positive there is it does look like his family. Maybe maybe it's his parents. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. They've actually liked a couple of recent Georgetown centric posts. So that's always a good sign, but he is the one. I mean, I know there's been some, you know, conversation. Is he a point guard? Is he a two guard? I, I kind of believe he can play point guard full time. And when you kind of stack him on top of Dante Harris coming in the year ahead of him, I think that takes care of that issue uh, for the 2021 cycle. So now if you can secure those three guys, it kind of leaves you the opportunity to go big game hunting, whether that's trying to lock down Matumbo or making that push for Muhammad on the wing. It really sets you up nicely to have those three guys.
0: Yeah. So um, Brian Snow, one of the national guys for 24-7, let me just read a couple of the quotes from his – from his article yesterday, you know, Billingsley, obviously proximity was a big deal. I think if you're a Georgetown fan, you felt pretty good. Um, Like I told you earlier, if it had been Georgetown and like, let's say Seton Hall or Dayton or Virginia Tech, then you kind of get worried, but it just seems like going out to Arizona state during these crazy times is, you know, kind of out there, but he talked about, Uh, his sister, I believe, uh, being at Howard, I think she's at the medical school at Howard. His uncle lives in DC. His mom and dad can come down and see the games. Uh, he also mentioned the stretch four position. And one of the big quotes, I think that most of Georgetown fans kind of latched onto was the idea that he specifically mentioned Louis Orr, which, Mm -hmm you know, the Georgetown, and I know you and I have probably tweeted some things, you know, not specifically about assistants yeah. by name because that's kind of, you're going after somebody's job, but just the idea like, look, you know, Pat can't do all the recruiting like, you mm-hmm. know, these assistants have to come through, so it is nice when the kids mentioned which assistant because, you know, you, you, you try and tell people, like, a lot of these players, you know, kids, student-athletes, whatever you want to call them, you know, they fall in love with the coaches, that's why they end up going yeah. places, and um, you know, they said that they made him really feel at home, which I think is a really good quote when you consider on the way out, McClung, and I'm not saying his name to get hits, but you know, McClung's comments on the way out, like I didn't feel like it was family or I don't have the exact quote memorized, but it was something like that, you know. So I think that's a pretty mm-hmm. good thing to, to to see because when you think Georgetown, that's all you think of is family and you know, yeah. you know, being all together, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And thats it's certainly a selling point for them right now. Um, In the middle of a pandemic, uh, everything that's going on in the world, I mean, that's—it it is something you can sell. Certainly having family members nearby is helpful as well. Um, And I do wonder now with Ewing, I mean, he can't be on the road. None of the coaches can. So I wonder how much he's closing on these kids because I think by all accounts he is your best recruiter. And if he has nothing to do during the daytime except recruit these kids, I think you're actually benefiting from this pandemic right now compared to him. You know, we saw past recruiting cycles maybe stretching himself too thin. You know, he might fall in love with the five-star prospects, whether it was Isaiah Stewart, Cole Anthony. Um, But now, you know, Louis Orr brings a kid to him, sees him, says, all right, we're going to go after him. And perhaps all the downtime right now is, is really working to their favor.
0: I mean, it absolutely seems like it would. I mean, this definitely would be the time. I know when I used to do a lot more recruiting stuff and I'd been to some of those those tournaments like Peach Jam, you know, after those tournaments and a lot of times kids pop, right? So this is kind mm. of that time. Um, you did mention that that Billingsley has been playing. One of the tweets I saw that you that you posted, I don't know how much you've watched of him, but you had mentioned that his... You weren't concerned about his three point percentage because you liked his shot. Can can you, can yeah. you ta- give me? Can you kind of talk about that for a second?
1: Yeah, I don't think during the high school season he shot it percentage wise all that well. I think I saw thirty two, thirty three percent. But to me, mechanically, the form on his shot looks like something that'll translate to somebody in college, who junior, senior year, you're looking at a stretch four who's making, I don't know, thirty six to thirty eight percent of those, which is Plenty good enough. Um,
0: that's about what uh, what uh, Pickett does.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think you just look at him. He's fluid. Seems to be a good passer. Has a good feel for the game. I think you put him in a college strength program. That's going to you know lead to some improvement. And just more reps on his jump shot. I believe at Lutheran East, where he plays high school ball, he's pretty much their big man. Um, so I think a lot of the time he just gets stuck inside a little more than probably he would like. So I think, I mean, there's a clear defined role coming into Georgetown, especially with the centers they have. I think he fits nicely. I think this was an area of need to get a skilled man who can play off of a Wahab um, or that type of prototype center. And I think he just brings a little more skill, kind of that Jamari Sibley has shown so far. So, you know, if you project forward, gets in better shape plays a little more effort which I think are two things especially Ewing will improve on Um, you hear the kids who have come through Ewing's program so far all they do is mention how tough the conditioning is and you know his kids are going to play hard so if you get those two things out of him I I really think you have a chance to have a pretty good player
0: so let's just assume and I know that this is the super positive podcast which they've all been recently um I, I'm not super high on there being a season this year, but let's just let's just say that there is, okay. Mm-hmm. And so the guys that exhaust their eligibility are Pickett, Blair, um, Harris, and Bile. I forget if I'm saying that wrong or not. I apologize if I am. Um, so Pickett's a stretch four, Blair's a two guard, Harris a point guard, Bile I, I, I guess is another power forward. Is that what, what yeah, that he yeah. is? Slotted him into four okay so basically so you got riley filling blair's spot uh, tyler beard filling harris's spot you got billingsley filling pickett's spot so you're down to like that one last spot <sighs> you know obviously things have have a way of working themselves out i do think most people are focused on mutumbo who if you really think about it though right like if Wahab kind of progresses the way we 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 all think cuz i think he was he, i think he showed pretty well last year yeah so he'd be a junior when Matumbo's coming in you know i don't think either of them is a stretch four. no you know so you, you almost sort of wonder like what is what is the tar- i mean you know do you do you keep swinging for the fences for Muhammad? i mean obviously you have Holmgren in there who I think Corey Evans talked about he does have kind of a perimeter game, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I sort of wonder, I mean, you know, it's hard to sit back and figure out what they want. And obviously you don't turn away super talented kids, but do you still think it's Matumbo or Bust, which is what I kind of said yesterday? Or, you know, I don't think you want to speculate about kids transferring before they even play games. But, you know, it is worth remembering that 13 scholarship players can't be happy if that makes sense yeah you know
1: i i I would think it's a very real possibility that another scholarship opens up but yeah i think it still is Matumbo just because if you push for him yeah it, it just feels like okay there's a pathway for you here you know you work behind wahab for two years then you take over now we have other parts you'll come in with as a freshman you don't have to be our savior um and if you look at i said on twitter the other day you know florida state took two centers this past week and i said look if florida state was in the lead and that knocked them out now like he's not coming to georgetown regardless
0: but Oh God! Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Georgetown's not going to back in to Matumbo no. because no. Leonard Hamilton took too many centers. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: but in fairness to that train of thought, I mean, you have to assume Florida State is out now, so maybe it's possible Leonard Hamilton found out, like, hey, yeah, he's he's going to Georgetown um, because I would assume Leonard Hamilton would rather have a top 100 kid coming in as a freshman I, I think they took a junior college kid so
0: yeah I think maybe did like a,
1: he, one year college yeah yeah so if you want to read the tea there maybe there's something there but I mean the good thing about having the three kids in the fold now is you can invest all your time and you know your top targets whether that is M- Mutumbo, Homegrown, Baldwin, Muhammad you know take a swing for the fences and see what happens but it also gives you a leg up on trying to recruit the 2022 class so i mean getting these kids in early if you like them and you think they're a fit it's only a positive
0: so of the recruits not named ryan Matumbo, who everybody would love to be a hoya and be part of that family like literally the family um which one of those kids do you think would be like the biggest you know oh my god they got him i mean you know I think everyone's predicting Baldwin goes to Duke, but Georgetown did make his final five or six or whatever it is. And, you know, you have Holmgrim, you have Muhammad. Um, I think probably Muhammad would be the one, right? Because... I think
1: he, he stands as the most realistic one right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah.
0: As, hmm. far as, as far as 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 far what Riley said last week, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Is it... You, I think you pronounce it Ma- Malachi Smith? Yeah. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless we go back to what we were just talking about with, you know, Beard, right?
1: Yeah. If if Beard's in the fold, I don't really see point guard being a pressing need for, for this recruiting class.
0: No, but, you know, I would say, you know, I think I'm, I'm probably, you know, if someone wanted to be, Somebody wanted to waste their time and look through my tweets. You're going to find a lot of crap. But I think at one point I talked about the idea that Ryan Matumbo would be the perfect start to this class. Mm -hmm. And now it's the exact opposite. They've, Ewing and Orr and the staff have found a way to put together a top 20 class without Ryan Matumbo. And I think some of the worry that was out there was that Ryan didn't want to be, you know, the savior, or, you know, he's not, he's not like a top 10 talent that, you know, his game isn't sort of like that, but now they can go to him and be like, look, Ryan, we love you. We want you. And look, mm-hmm. we have a really good class. Like you're going to make it like, you know, top 15, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, the pitch is there for him. Obviously the family connection, you would think by all accounts, Patrick and Nick are pretty strong uh, relationships still. So, yeah. i mean there's a reality where maybe he just wants to stay home and go to georgia tech and you couldn't fault him for that i mean if he doesn't want to go to georgetown there's you can certainly understand his point of view um not wanting to commit to that try to follow that legacy but you know the opportunities there you have a strong pitch to make now so it just seems like that you know it's not a layup for the staff you have to the oh, kid no. wants to the kid wants to have it, but. It just seems like a logical fit now, more than it certainly did two weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I said two months ago, but yeah, you're right. It's it's an even better fit than it was two weeks ago. Um, and for me, for for Ryan, and maybe it's just sort of how I think, but whenever I hear, like, someone's interested in Stanford, that just seems really interesting to me. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one to turn down. You know, it, it just... <laughs> And you know they actually landed they they landed one one of the top recruits for you know this season, assuming there is one. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, they've recruited well.
0: Yeah, so Georgia Tech. I I always feel like staying at home can be difficult. And speaking of that, you know, obviously everyone harps on you know the assistants recruiting locally, all that stuff, and they're gonna Georgia has a chance to put together a really good. A really good class. I think I think Muhammad is local. He's just not playing his high school local, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think that's accurate. So and if you saw in the last couple of weeks, I know I know that you pay attention to all this stuff. You know, they've offered I mean, I think they offered a, a rising freshman, I wanna say from I think from St. John's where uh, Chris yeah, Wright went. That's
1: right. yeah. So
0: it looks like to me, and I th- I think they offered another kid like that's gonna be a sophomore. Um I think the strategy is and it makes total sense to me. Look, they're not getting local kids for whatever reason it is. You know, people want to blame uh, Waheed, you know, whether or not that's fair or not. That's, I think, that's time, that that's where everyone's sort of been as far as mm-hmm. what they think. And, you know, Chris and Austin, when they were on like a month or two ago, talked about how they think they failed everybody by not going pro. So maybe it might just be a thing where like, look, you know what, obviously the local talent's incredible, but like Georgetown's still a big brand name. It's a great university. We're going to have to recruit outside of the DMV, you know, get, you know, have some success on the court, maybe get a kid or two in the pros and work on those really young kids, which is kind of what they're doing. And that seems like a great strategy to me.
1: Yeah. I, I do think the on court success is what's going to turn the tide locally. You look at kids like Chris, Chris and Austin, um, Austin was a little bit ahead. He, I think was summer 05 he committed. So he, I mean, he believed in Brodus and the whole revamping, but you need that on-court success. It's what got you um, a kid like Chris, who was committed elsewhere, backed off, and then Georgetown is, you know, in contention again, and he looks at it like, okay, I'll go there. Yeah, You need yeah. to give them a reason to stay home because if you have the top kids at the math, St. John's, uh, just that whole conference, the ACC is going to come around. Uh, the other biggie schools, Villanova. So you need something to sell them besides, hey, we're we're the hometown team. You need to be competing with those schools.
0: Yeah, and the rising freshman that they do – you, do you remember his name? No, I don't. Yeah, I, I should have this if I'm going to talk about it. But anyway, this is more of just a conceptual thing. I remember when they offered Marcus Derrickson – was a rising freshman, and I remember mm-hmm. at that time writing something. I don't even know for what outlet it was, but it was like the only the second player since you know JT three had been there that they had offered that early, and the, the the first one was Austin Freeman. Yeah. So they have a pretty good you know the program. Obviously JT three is not there anymore; it's Ewing and his staff. But they have a pretty good track record if they offer someone that young, which seems crazy to me, right? But mm. when you when you know, you know. Yeah, I and
1: local kids if you know if they're top of their class eighth ninth grade they're they're probably a safe bet
0: <laughs> they are which which is why everybody wants those local kids yeah to show up um so yeah so this is obviously just total nonsense but if Jalen makes his way on campus with Jordan this is the 12th player to play under Ewing, with the first letter J in his name, do you want to go through them all? Can you get them all?
1: Uh, well, we'll have two Jalen's, right? Jalen Harris and now <laughs> Billingsley. Yeah, spelt, spelt differently. Of course. Uh, let's see. We have Josh and James. Uh, are these kids who just played under him, or he's recruited?
0: Just played under him, and he's okay, recruited. So yeah, so he doesn't Jesse. get credit for recruiting all of them. he. Yep. Uh, does Jaden Robinson count? He does.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: yeah, you're going to have to help me out. So we got Jonathan Mulmore. Okay. You somehow didn't mention Jaden Mosley, but that's okay. <laughs> Jamarco and Javon. And then... Jamari Sibley, and the crazy thing is like and obviously that's just that's just silly but you know when you write about them all the time you're like man they, they just they're just rolling in the jays you know it's just it's just sort of unbelievable and none of them have the i mean obviously there's there's two Jalen's now but they're spelled differently it's not like they've got you know they've they've picked up like five jameses in the last five years yeah there's some variety it's really, it's really, it's really impressive. I know everybody was really, really thrilled with that observation. I I make it all the time and I don't really get a lot of responses. So if you listen to this, you had to hear it. I apologize. Um, we had, we, had, we had some pretty good Twitter questions. Um, let me try and take them in this order. I think we talked on it for a second. This is from, this guy's got a Boise State uh, avatar. He actually tweets to me a decent amount, which... Boise State and Georgetown. That's interesting. But okay, let's, let's go ahead and take it. Can we give Louis Orr some love? He delivered with Riley and Billingsley. Um, and then rank who should get the last open spot, which I think we kind of went through. But yeah, the Louis Orr love. Do we need to title this podcast uh, Hoyas Land Billingsley? Thank you, Orr.
1: <laughs> I think so. Um, <laughs> he's, I mean, you have to figure his his list of contacts run pretty deep obviously his his time bowling green was a big part of this being familiar um state of ohio yeah but for him and riley i mean back-to-back weeks it's huge he's somebody i've certainly been skeptical about not having on the staff i think he as a hire was a good hire but in my mind it just made more sense to kind of have him in a special assistant role maybe not on the road recruiting
0: I, to- but, I totally agree. Kinda like how uh Gene Katie was with uh Chris Mullen.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um but wait, was
0: was it was Katie like that for Lavin or Mullen?
1: Oh yeah, I I think Lavin because Lavin had the Purdue uh but yeah, yeah. 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 to me that always made more sense when that hire was announced. Uh but credit to him. I mean you get two top one fifty or Chris in the class, you are you know, when you're supposed to be probably the third ranked recruiter out of the three, you're, you're more than pulling your own weight.
0: Yeah, I think absolutely. I think, and this probably goes a lot to, we can only sort of see what happens and try and try and connect dots, read tea leaves, just like you talked about um, with Florida State, all of a sudden loading up on centers, you know, if you're looking at it from a Georgetown angle, you could say, "Well, maybe he knows something. Maybe he knows that they're out of the Matumbo Sweet States, right?" Uh-huh. Um, so we don't really know. So then, when when the guys come out and they say who their who their lead recruiter was, who who it was that got the job done, um, it's always interesting. I I do think I do think Louis Orr, as I guess him or I guess I guess Orr Kirby and Ewing, I don't think they're that different in age, right? I think we were talking about that.
1: Yeah. It's- I think Orr is in his sixties now and obviously Ewing is approaching that and I think Kirby's right around that. That's yeah. So too.
0: I was gonna say the elder statesman of the yeah. of the staff, but I, I don't think that's really fair since they're all kind of contemporaries. Um let's see, this one from Peter Pants, who has a s he has a Seton Hall avatar, so he's probably really in Georgetown. Um Given the recent success in recruiting, will you commit to reconsidering the casual Hoya shutdown? If Georgetown does not re- does not sign Matumbo? Matumbo may be the hero you want, but casual Hoya is the hero we all need. Again, interesting from a Seton Hall avatar. Um, <laughs> I don't think Andrew's going to shut the blog down, but I don't want to speak for him. And I did actually tell him, I said, Hey, Nolan and I are going to, are going to get on at eight thirty tonight. If you want to join, he hasn't been on in a while. He is not responding to my text, although he did send out the text about asking for questions, so he is reading my text. He's just not (laughs) responding to them.
1: It's, you know, Casual Hoya, when it was founded, I I would love to know the actual date because it did seem like things just started to go downhill ever since then. So I don't don't know. I feel like it wasn't like uh, kind of mid-season of 2009. Right before it everything fell apart.
0: That would be the point. Are you are you a Big Simpsons fan at all? A big what? Are are you a Big Simpsons fan?
1: Uh not much, no.
0: There was an episode where um Lisa was was being wooed by Ralph, who's like this idiot yeah. kid, and like they have it on videotape and Bart talks and it's like that's the exact moment his heart breaks. <laughs> um, so I was trying to I was trying to relate this to is casual Hoya the exact moment that the good started going not good, yeah,
1: the earliest memory I have of Casual Hoya is the day Nikita hit the top of the backboard at MFC, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> my
0: My earliest memory of him was he would post at least i don't know somebody would post all the time on uh, like like kind of like the same repetitive message on. The Hoya talk board, like it was like a name, yeah. casual Hoya. Oh, and I
1: remember that, yeah.
0: They would be like, you know, it would be something like, you know, they would say something about the thread, but then they'd be like, I don't know, come over and look at this casually, or, you know, it was like, it was like this, it was yeah. just beating yeah. you up with like repetition. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there, there was a point, and obviously, i still glad to be here doing stuff for SB nation, but there was a point where SB nation was much bigger. And obviously yeah. they shrunk since this pandemic and this pandemic obviously is, it's not good for anyone's business, but it is good for Georgetown's recruiting business. Currently it is what it is. Uh, policy Ben who not Ben standing another guy. And there's more than two Bens. Um, he says, does this new, does this news mean that everything, that not everything is horrible anymore, which I think, yes. Uh, You know, you know, when you're the fan of a program that hasn't made the tournament in five years and you start landing consistently 150 recruits, that is a very good thing.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, part of me still says, hey, we're Georgetown. We shouldn't throw a party for getting a top 150 kid.
0: They do right now, though.
1: Yeah. Considering how the last few years have gone, especially the way this year kind of unraveled to be where they're at right now. Uh, this offseason, certainly accomplishment. And a reason for optimism would especially be what happens if Ewing starts to win some games and makes a tournament. Um, how much this is recruiting, you know, get a boost in that regard. So you can just keep grinding, start to win some games. This year might not go great if we have a season, but you can certainly see in the future, establish your culture, win some games. This you know this thing could still take off,
0: I think everybody obviously, if you're listening to this, that is what you want. There's no question about that. um This one's from Coach Rome. He says, with a full team this year, how much pressing do you see us running on defense? That's the first part of his question. I would say that a lot because he's filled all thirteen scholarships. We don't really know about a lot of the players. And, you know, again, assuming that they roll out there, you know, early November against UMBC or who, you know, whoever that uh, that first game is going to be, I would expect, you know, last year for the first in, in, until the Texas game. So I think the first like five or six games, he ran on 11 guys. So basically okay. everyone except Wilson and Ego F.A. So I would say they're going to press a lot, at least to start.
1: It wouldn't surprise me. It certainly seemed like that was his intention going into this year, but then Josh obviously fell out in favor, and he kind of would have been the whole key to it. So defensively, I would just like them to mix things up, whether that's press or I, I just don't want the same old because it's been vanilla, and it just has not been good. So I, and even if they went in the other extreme and said, hey, we're going to be passive, We're going to drop every time in ball screen coverage. We're going to let people beat us, just not give up easy baskets. I'd be okay with that. And if he decides, hey, I'm going to go 10 deep, I'm going to press. we got to create some turnovers, get some easy baskets, and we'll live with the risk-reward of that. That would be fine, too. I would just like to see them mix it up a little bit.
0: I think, too, when you hear about how hard practice is and how much the conditioning is, I know we've heard Jagan talk about it, probably some of the other guys as well. Um, I think McClung talked about it last season during during the season or maybe in the, in the beginning of the season. You don't go that hard like that if you don't intend to try and push the pace and not just on offense, right? Yeah.
1: I do think there's a broader college basketball thing that's gone on where you just don't see teams press as much anymore just because there's more skill on the floor teams play smaller. Okay. So I think the difficulty level of being a successful pressing team has certainly increased. Uh, We were talking about VCU before the call. I think Mike Rhodes has kind of hit a little bit of a roadblock. uh, Trying to keep that program humming the way it always has, just because I think it's, uh, more difficult to press now it's just too much skill too much shooting and, and too much ball handling to to do it successfully a lot of the time
0: yeah but i do think that to be able to have it in your pocket to use or to like like you said to use um kind of just shake things up give you a different look at times i think would be would, would be good and you know like I mentioned earlier, if you're going to carry this many scholarship players, I think it was, I think it was Musselman in Arkansas Mm -hmm. was talking about how, and I think Jay Wright's done it as well, has you can't really have 13 guys on scholarship. No, it's tough. Yeah. it, It, you know, it seems silly for me and you to talk about this in a season where when you lose, you know, six of your top 11, Mm -hmm. during the season you know i think that there would be that need for ewing and the staff to be like look we got 13 scholarships we're going to use them all yeah um you know but i do think unless you know everyone kind of knows what their role is right yeah
1: and i also i mean you wonder if that's a little bit nba influence where he's he's used to you know carrying 13 guys around a team you have two inactive like you use every roster spot there is. So you have to wonder if that carries into his thinking a little, but you know, a kid like Billingsley, I think the team he played on in high school, he played to a role. He wasn't, he might've been their leading scorer, but it wasn't by much. And I think you just need guys who are going to be more acceptable of a supporting role. Uh, we know who clashed last year because they want to be the man. So you do need a pecking order. I think it's, You know, even though all 13 are used for this year, I think it's a little bit more defined. I I wouldn't think kids like Holloway and Berger, still Malcolm Wilson, will really come in expecting to play that much. So I think that works in your favor. Whereas this past year, you know, a kid like Galen Alexander was probably coming in thinking, hey, I'm going to play 20, 25 minutes and start some games, when the reality was, you know, you're probably the ninth or tenth man if things had gone well.
0: Yeah, well... If they had stayed, he would have played a ton. Anyway, um, speaking of something you said earlier about Billingsley, before we get back to the second part of this question from Coach Rome, um, you, you mentioned him playing center in high school.
1: I think for the majority he did, yeah.
0: It reminds me of the first time I went out to see Dewan Summers. They played in a doubleheader. I think he was at a school. Oh, man. What was it? Was it? I'm thinking of Henry Sims's school
1: uh one, yeah, you know, as soon as you say I don't remember I can't can't
0: quite think of it. <sighs> anyway, it was part of a doubleheader and you know, I'd read everything about him online on the recruiting forums and all that stuff and I get there and he's by far So Sims was at Mount Joseph, right? Yeah. <sighs> Summers was <sighs> Anyway, he was at a school where he was playing center. Mm-hmm. And most of the guys were like me. They were like about they're like six foot, and I'm like, what is going on at the school? Why is yeah. he at the school? And he was at a private school. Yeah,
1: yeah. That was, I remember reading about him as a prospect. Like you kind of got the impression he was more of a big man, but then when he shows up to Georgetown, you're like, this kid's probably the best shooter on the roster.
0: I'm trying to cheat here. Oh, yeah. He was at McDonough, which, you know. That's right. Yeah. No, he came in and was instantly the best player on the roster, which is why when he went one for 10 against Ohio State, it was really tough to overcome that. Although I think he might have had a broken foot at that point, didn't he? I think he had like a. I think he yeah, had suffered. There was something, yeah. I think he had suffered some injury. Um, okay. So Coach Rome also talked about could Pickett's outlook for the season be something similar to Henry Sims? for his senior year. And what I would say to that is I kind of get the question. Basically he's asking, could he have a breakout season, but make no mistake. J- uh, Jamarco Pickett has had a far better first three years than Henry. Sims oh, did.
1: not even close. <laughs> yeah.
0: So based on, so basically Sims scored, I, I looked it up before this, he scored like almost 70% of his points. Like his, his, career points at Georgetown came in his senior year. Jamarco's on pace to, you know, probably finish his career scoring about, he's at like 800 points right now. You know, if they play a 35 game season, 30 game season, whatever it is, he's going to end up with, you know, call it 1200, call it, you know, something like that. Um, So I think for Sims to make that, or I'm sorry, for um, Pickett to make that leap. And Sims was a third team all big East. I don't think they have third team anymore because the conference is smaller, but, basically the equivalent maybe would be being on the second team. Um, I think for Pickett to make that kind of leap where he has a much better senior year than the rest of his career. I think you're talking someone that scores like 16 to 18, maybe shoots about like 40% from three. And last year was his best rebounding season where he was about six. I don't know if that, that seems like maybe that's about as many boards as he gets. Maybe he can get up close Mm. to eight but I think he'd have to have a season like that, right, to kind of, uh, relatively speaking, uh, match kind of the leap Henry had.
1: Yeah, and Henry that last year, he really took ownership of the offense. I mean, obviously oh, yeah. System. I mean, everything ran through him by the by the end of that season. It was impressive to watch. I think Jamarco, you're going to have to get a little bit similar um, kind of output from him where he just takes ownership of things. where the offense is going to have to go through him um, quite a bit of the time. He's got to cut out the turnovers. The ball handling has to improve. The one thing I think we talked about on the podcast back in the spring when we still had a season was how much his jump shot started to improve towards the end of the year. I don't know if that was a credit to Coach Crouch or what it was, but you know he used to kind of shoot a balloon, high-arcing shot, and it, it just seemed to get a little bit tighter, a little more refined. And the results were there towards the end of the season, so, so that left me optimistic um, that his shooting could improve, and if he can kind of round everything into form senior year, be stronger, uh, be a better leader. I don't know if you get Henry was a really good player that senior season, so I don't know if you get that caliber of player, but there's certainly room for Jamarco to grow.
0: You know what? One of the things you just said there reminded me of sitting there at a home game and I mentioned his points and rebounds, but I think you're right. It, it would be, I'm not necessarily not necessarily saying he needs to be a facilitator, mm-hmm. but I think if he could cut down on the sloppy turnovers that, you yeah. know, the, the unforced errors, um, particularly the, the entry passes, uh, yeah. I, you know, I'm not trying to pick on him, but him and Caleb Johnson, I just think of as two guys that just struggle with the, with the, you know, the inbound passes. And obviously Caleb's mm-hmm. long gone, but that's kind of what kind of what came to me um yeah, it is kind of crazy how good Sims got I mean this is off topic now, but Sims was basically the last the last guy they had that could run the offense like like they probably wanted to right
1: yeah, I think definitely it was it was him i mean if he had taken he's admitted he kind of needed that wake up call senior year, but you know if you got seventy five percent of that the year prior. 2010, you know, those two teams probably have a totally different outcome.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was. I think I think Josh Smith had the passing. I'm just I'm just trying to think of, of of the question I just asked. I think Josh Smith had the passing. Obviously, if he doesn't get you know if he doesn't get in academic problems or whatever, they don't miss that 2014 tournament that they almost made anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Smith had the vision. Obviously, he couldn't really do just because of physical, I I guess I'll call it limitations, couldn't really give you what what Sims did. And then after that, I mean, Hayes wasn't really the guy that could do that. Um, You know, Jesse couldn't run the offense through him like that, although he was a really good perimeter shooter. It probably is Sims. Yeah. And then we've got two from, I guess his name now is Hoya Optimista, this is Hoya Breakdown, who does some stuff for Casual Hoya. Yeah. He's got the cool Simpsons avatar. Actually, before I get to his question, there was something that him and I, and if it's not him, I totally apologize, but it was somebody. I think it was him. We we kind of went back and forth on LJ Peak's defense the other day. Uh-huh. Whereas he said he thought LJ Peak was a pretty good defender, and he was kind of felt like I don't know. It was to me, I was taking it as one of those sort of. He could, you know, he said something like he could have made the NBA, but the system kind of didn't really help him and all that stuff. And I feel like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. That's, that's totally cool. I feel like LJ Peak. We always wanted him to be a good defender, but he was always in foul trouble.
1: Yeah, he was.
0: He was really I athletic. Came,
1: yeah, and I think he came in as a really good defender. Like his freshman year, he went through a terrible stretch offensively where he just. He gave you nothing, but he still was playing really good defense. And I'm not sure from that point on if he ever really improved a ton on that end of the floor. Offensively, he obviously did. Um, I think he is a kid who would have benefited from playing in different system. just how athletic he was and how good he was in transition. They never really got a chance to show. Um, yeah. But yeah. NBA, I think, was always just going to be a little bit out of reach for him. Obviously, he's made a push. I think he had some League invites and everything the past couple of years. But he's, you know, he's just a fringe NBA prospect. Would have been a heck of a college player his senior year, but we didn't get that. He, de-
0: he, he definitely would have been. And I do agree that the offense, like, if he had been a senior on Ewing's first team, you know, and the schedule had been different, maybe they could have accomplished something. But I guess mm-hmm. what I was trying to get at, and I didn't get into a full blown argument because. I definitely like this guy on Twitter. He's cool. Um, I don't think the system defensively was holding him back. I think he just, when you're always in foul trouble, you kind of have to like, you know, reset as a player. Like, you know, what am I doing? I mean, I felt like I asked JT three that question a million times, you know, how do you, cause I, th- I think at one point I have to look back. I can't remember the game, but I think at one point he benched him and brought him off the bench. Like he was trying to figure out a way because yeah. you always had peak with two fouls before halftime. It's like, What do you, what the hell do you do now? Yeah. I would love to
1: know JT3's thoughts now about how much he thinks,
0: you know, rule
1: changes and emphasis on the perimeter kind of altered his coaching career. I'd be interested if he ever got a chance to give him some true serum to to get that answer.
0: It would be great to know that. And I think that's kind of why I always rooted for him to get another job, you know. I think he's a very specific place. Like, I figure, instit- like you know, even for power fives that are like, George- well, you know, Georgetown's not a power five, no football, but you know what I mean. Like, and I figured, yeah, Vanderbilt
1: like Vanderbilt would have been one.
0: Yeah, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest, Boston College, yeah. you know, sort of places like that. Um, then you you know you you look out at the at the WCC, and like a year or two ago, like all their coaches were kind of like, wow, this is a pretty good coaching league yeah you know no somebody
1: with his resume i mean if he wants into coaching again there should be a school giving him a job because final four sweet 16 what three big east titles like
0: guys in the pros
1: yeah yeah you would think a job would be there if he wants it
0: yeah the thing is you know he just kind of the schools he coached at are the ones that make complete sense right like
1: yeah he, yeah. You know, he
0: coached at Princeton, he coached at Georgetown, he mm-hmm. didn't assist anywhere. Um The route for, and now he's part of, you know, the Wizards, well, the Monumental Sports Organization, which is yeah. not just the Wizards, but it's the Mystics and the Capitals and um the G League and all that stuff. Sort of the route you see guys go like him, maybe like uh, Calvin Sampson, of course, he was actually in trouble, JT3 didn't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you spend like a year or two on an NBA bench. Yeah and then you go back right like you know jt3s mm-hmm. i mean people were talking about him you know maybe being like one of those assistants like one of those high profile assistants and you know i can tell you right now like he made really good money coaching at georgetown i don't think oh he's gonna yeah. do s- yeah. something like that but i i could have seen and it seems like now it might even be getting getting uh, too late but it seemed like he could have gone that way but back to hoya breakdown What's the team's 2021 ceiling? Do you want to go first, or do you want to do you want to hear the crap I have to say?
1: I'll take a stab at it. <laughs> I mean, in a ideal world, which isn't going to happen, but if we had a regular season starting in November, you know, maybe it's a group that could play its way onto the NIT bubble. I think any NCAA tournament talk is a bridge too far. Uh, in conference. You know, you still need to beat out the Paul. That should be the baseline every year. Um, and you probably tussle with Butler, St. John's, kind of in that 8-9-ish grouping. Um, that might not be the ceiling. Maybe that's closer to an expectation. It's just, you know, with the addition of UConn in the league, it's just tough sledding. And I think this is I don't know if you want to call it a transitional year, but with the parts you have and what you have to go against, I just think it's tough to climb up out of where you've done the last couple of years.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to mostly agree, but I'm also going to say that if they have a real season, which if you made me you know guess today, I've said it already, I don't see it, but let's say they have a real season because you're only bringing back basically three guys that played, mm-hmm. it's a pretty tough question. Like, you know, if you're only bringing back, so you're bringing back, you know, Blair and Pickett, who scored a ton of points. Wahab started, you know, most of the back half of last season. And then you saw enough from Ego F.A. to know, you know, that you don't have nothing, right? Like, like you, like you, I think no, he's all
1: He showed something for sure. I mean, it wasn't always good, but. That is a big and agile kid.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you saw enough. Like, like you know, we've seen nothing of Wilson. So you know, he's their fifth scholarship player returning, and we literally there's no book on him. Like we get we got nothing. You know, ego fa can play a little bit, and guys get better generally. So I think you. I think what you saw of him, it's hard not to be positive, right? Like you saw enough mm-hmm. to be like, hey, you know, this guy can. He's a monster. And he's coordinated and he's going to give Wahab spells here and there, which is that, you know, that's great when you decide to, you know, stay with, you know, a a center in, in the game. But so you're bringing in so many guys and you're bringing in three grad transfers. Okay. Um, You got, you know, two of the guys for one year and then, you know, carries there for two years and then you're bringing in a lot of freshmen. So if you're only bringing back three guys that, you know, if you weren't if you're not bringing in like a bunch of one and Duns, which Georgetown's not, it's hard to have an expectation of if everything goes right, they're a bubble team to the tournament. Mm. and I think that's what everybody wants to hear, right? Everybody wants to hear, you know what if everything breaks their way, I could see them sneaking in, be a ten seed, an eleven seed. Um, it's really hard to say that, and I know we've been super positive about all the recruiting they've done, but for this season it does seem like it's probably an NIT season at best, but you know, after 10 games you reset, let's say you've upset. I mean, good God, let's let, let, let's say you win a game out there at the wooden classic. If that happens, you know, Mm -hmm. like you beat UVA in some ridiculous rock fight where they only (laughs) score 52 and you get 58 just because, you know, whatever, Um, you know, then you might have something. And that's, what's kind of weird for Georgetown. Like when you look, when you look back, since 2000 let's let's just that's kind of an easy way to stop you look back to 2000 it's rare now they haven't made the tournament every year since then um although they did have an eight tournament in 10 year stretch under jt3 at one point you know it's rare that they go into a season where you can't even realistically think ncaa tournament and i think the two times you do that is 2004 the the, uh, the, yeah. the you know the year Eschrick gets gets fired mm-hmm. um Maybe the next year, although God, they found a way to get to eight and three in the league and they just they just they just couldn't do it. Um, yeah, they were well on their way. Well on their way. But I, I, I'd say going into that season, I know I was a season ticket holder at that time. I wasn't thinking NCAA tournament, I was thinking the mm-hmm. next year, which is what did happen. And then I think Ewing's first year, even though you have Jesse and Marcus, when you saw that that schedule, you knew they had to go like eleven and seven in the league. Yeah. And they weren't. So this is probably either the third or the fourth time since 2000 that you're not really thinking NCAA tournament of, cause I mean, I think Ewing's second year because of all, you know, because of your returning, um, you know, Jesse's back. And um, you've got, you know, Akinjo you got your point guard, you got McClung, you got LeBlanc, um, you know, you saw enough from Pickett and Blair, although Blair kind of took a step back that year. I don't think having an NCAA tournament dream that season was out of the question.
1: No, I, I, didn't they end up going 500 in Big East play? It was just yeah. another question of the non-conference just yeah. wasn't going to get it done. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, but I, th- this, I think yeah. that season was, you know, like I said, th- this is just my idea of what seasons were you like, you know? Yeah, th- the ceiling probably doesn't d- doesn't get that high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of them.
1: I, I would want to single out Wahab though, because if there's a reason for optimism, I think it hinges on him making a big leap where I don't want to say he'll single-handedly turn your defense around, but he, he makes a little bit of a jump. He could really push you towards respectability on that end. And, you know, the offense under Ewing has been pretty solid. I mean, they have functioned pretty well. So I think if you really want to get crazy with a ceiling, you would also have to correlate that to his ceiling, which if he made a jump, you, you might be in business with something.
0: I mean, I think... You know, we talked earlier about the local recruiting. and Maybe that's just me coming through, but I think if you if you pointed to two things that just need to improve, it would be the 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 second one behind local recruiting would absolutely be the team defense, which has kind of stunk for five years over yeah. over two coaches, right? Um, you know, after that 2015, all all those kids left. The defense has just taken a complete a complete nosedive. Um and it's it's you know, a lot of there's been a lot of players over that period. It's hard to single out one specific thing. I think a lot of people wanted to point to Jesse, I think.
1: I I personally I, I've had a problem with each center really since <laughs> since Mikhail Hopkins graduated. Yeah. Um I think you go right through the trio, Jesse to Hayes to to Omer last year, the defense at that spot. And there's some scheme issues I, I'm not really in favor of, but I think just, yeah, know, that's what you, you do not expect that at Georgetown that your center position will be the link, leak, weak link on your, on your defensive side.
0: Yeah. and I think that's where the Wahab, um, optimism, you know, you, you could, you could definitely see it. And he's, he's, he's really efficient offensively. Like he's got those little, yeah. those little hooks.
1: Yeah. He, he lived up to every expectation I had, um, you know, and I'm still a person who thinks if you leave him in that St. John's game uh this year at MSG, you you win that.
0: Oh man, yes. Absolute flashbacks about that. I think that's <laughs> I think that's all we talked about, the people that were up there for like the like two hours after the game was did mm-hmm. you know Hobb didn't check back in? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Little did we know, nothing nothing mattered after that no. point.
0: All all well, it's crazy though, because what that would have done at least is it would have given them a big East Tournament win, which yeah, I think unfortunately just getting a win up there would be a big deal for this for this, mm-hmm. this group. And they would have even out their record at sixteen and sixteen. Um, you know, if you're into sort of things like that. Oh, that doesn't really matter, but you know what I mean. It's just what you could have accomplished. But yeah. all you would have accomplished basketball wise for the season is you would have played another twenty minutes against Creighton is basically mm. all you would have that that you know show them what they won. <laughs> you know. It
1: is insane that they took the floor that day and played 20 minutes, but
0: they were wait so I guess the Big East needed their insurance policy for a pandemic needed New York City to declare like a national emergency or disaster or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's what triggered their their insurance policy. Mm. Yeah, we're just we're just a very litigious society. Yeah. <laughs> Um do you think we're 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 going to be back soon talking about the uh the completion of the class or is this something you think that they're kind of just going to like let kind of play out and it might go with Matumbo unless someone big decides that they want to just sign up I think the two kids you kind of focus on now Matumbo and Mohammed
1: Matumbo's indicated he's not making a decision anytime soon and I get the sense this is just me speculating that Mohammed kind of has a recruitment that might drag out a little bit. Um, You know, there's been really no word on which way he's leaning or any time to a decision. But to counter that, all these kids now are making their decision pretty much within the last couple weeks. So I think uh, all bets are off really on timelines right now.
0: It's crazy, too, that, you know, one of the names we didn't even discuss, which I assume it's – I you know I think once I think LSU got in the mix, which usually kind of tells you where yeah. recruitment's sort of going. Is uh Brandon Murray?
1: Yeah, once I saw the LSU thing, I kind of put that on the back burner.
0: Yeah, that's usually not a a race Georgetown's going to be a part of. No. Um, all right, well, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Kente Corner. Find us on all the places you can get podcasts, particularly Apple and Spotify like subscribe leave a message that would be great nolan thanks again as always and hopefully we're back on soon talking about the next big addition to what could be believe it or not a top 15 top 10 class
1: yeah let's hope so sounds good bobby
0: all right man i'll see you
1: thanks